Hey everyone, David Bowden here. Before we start the show, we have a special announcement from the team here at Spoken Gospel. As we approach our summer film block, we're filming our final introductions for our whole project on the Bible, including books of the Bible like the book of Revelation and Chronicles, and it's going to be an amazing time. And we are almost finished funding our need for this film block, and we have about $30,000 left to cross the finish line. And we are asking you, our podcast listeners, to help make this possible. So please consider supporting our mission by visiting the Spoken Gospel website, clicking on donate and contributing what you can. Whether you choose to donate once or monthly, we're so grateful for your support. Okay, now on with the show. The idea that Jesus is always praying for me. Yeah always speaking truth over me, speaking to God on my behalf right now, every time I mess up in the moment, is great news I don't think about often. Yes. That there's this ongoing job that Jesus has as a high priest Mm -hmm. to ensure that I enter into a restful relationship with the divine sovereign. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible is about him. In each episode, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are continuing our look at the book of Hebrews today. Seth, how are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I feel more ready to talk about Melchizedek and the priesthood and why that matters to us than I was to talk about Moses. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, that it's feels weird. <laughs> everyone knows Moses. And so making, you know, like you have a lot of categories people are already familiar with to deal with maybe, or maybe any information you divulge about Melchizedek will feel unique. will feel totally new. <laughs> I'm just excited to talk about Melchizedek because not many times people don't engage with me on the topic of Melchizedek. Do you just walk into coffee shops? You're like, hi, I'm Seth. Would you like to talk to- about Melchizedek? It doesn't go well. Doesn't uh, go well. You really need a better opening line. I mean, I just, my wife won't even talk to me about it. So, you know, it's like, I'm just really excited to be here with with you guys. Seth, it's date night. I don't want to talk about Melchizedek for the 90th time. I've literally gotten that before. <laughs> um, uh, and that's why you have this outlet. And that's, why I ha- that's why I started working as Spoken Gospel, so I could just have an outlet for all my opinions about things in the Bible. Amazing. Okay. Uh, last week, let's kind of review. Last yes. episode, we, we talked about how the audience of the book of Hebrews is mainly Jewish, and they are feeling pressured to leave Jesus and following Jesus and go back to the familiar terrain of their Old Testament Judaism. Or even, yes, that, yep, that or, or just to not believe in the whole thing anymore at all. Right. Like they don't want to continue to live as holy people that it look would, like Jesus. It would be easier to just give up. It would just be easier to right. give up. Yeah. So the author is is encouraging them, challenging them, rebuking them, in two ways last episode. Yeah. He opened it up by saying that Jesus, this person that you've been called to follow, is better than the messengers of the Old Testament. He's better than the prophets. He's better than the angels that mediated by the right hand of God, the covenant. We talked about that. If you're like, what are you talking about? Go back and listen to the last episode. And that Jesus is a better messenger because he became like us, knows what it's like to, to... suffer and die like we suffer and die and be Mm -hmm. tempted like we're tempted and so the message that he gives us is better because he knows what it's like to be like us Mm -hmm. whereas the the no angel has ever become a human right the old testament couldn't really do that yeah jesus can so um you have a better messenger by your side who is your brother and who is going to continue to guide you and help you persevere through this better message and then he's also better than Moses, who tried to get God's people to enter into this new kingdom of rest, but yep. failed to. And he said, I know you're worried that that rest no longer remains for you, but I promise you that it's still there and still available. So let's try to enter it in a way that our forefathers couldn't right. when they when they all died in the wilderness. Yeah, and that's because 
it's it's not the Old Testament kingdom of rest that was centralized in Israel and Jerusalem. It is now this universal kingdom of rest that's presided over by God that God's been resting in from the beginning, from yeah. day seven of creation. And he's saying that you can enter into this rest anywhere, no matter your circumstance, no matter who's persecuting you. Yes. Because this there's a rest that remains that God there's, is offering. There's you. a rest that remains that is secured by the priesthood of Jesus. Right. Which, yeah, he kind of didn't give us reasons why uh, necessarily like the rest that Jesus was offering was necessarily better though, although you're pulling out all the reasons why yeah. the kingdom of God is better. It's right. cre it's from the creation of the world kind of situation. Yeah. But now he's going to explain how it happens okay. instead. And so he's yeah. like, the, re the way that we get into that rest is because Jesus is our priest. Okay. So that's really helpful. So yeah, then yeah. today we're going to talk about entering into that eternal rest through this messenger, this better messenger, yeah. who is now going to be proven to be a better priest. Sa and, and a better sacrifice. That's right. Than you had before. That's 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 exactly correct. Okay. So yeah. so by the end of this, I should be able to say because of Jesus doing XYZ, I can enter into this rest. Yes, you should be able to say that. Okay. <laughs> that I'm is the goal. Forward. That I'm is the goal. To okay. To be able to say that. Great. Yes. All right. Well, then kick us off. Where do we start? So, he starts off what the, an average Hebrew audience would have known about priests. And he says, as you know, all high priests are appointed mm -hmm. by someone previous to them. Normally the, uh, the previous high priest appoints the next high priest and high priests are people who are sympathetic to the sins and weaknesses of people. They pray for these people. They offer sacrifices for these people in hopes of repairing their relationship with God mm -hmm. whenever it is broken. Yeah. And we also know that just in the same way that priests were appointed by someone to do this task of mediating between God and people, bringing God's people to the rest, Jesus has been appointed by God as well. Mm. And he quotes from uh, verses he's already quoted, you are my son, today I've begotten you, and you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So he's quoting from Psalm 110. <laughs> okay, so hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So these these might have been things that his audience knew, but I'm I'm playing catch up here. That's right. So a priest what mediated between God and man. And I think the best way to say it is like a priest would bring one of God's people into God's rest. Those are mm. the categories that we've set up before. And that rest is his kingdom of justice. It's pardon from the divine sovereign. It mm -hmm. is entering into that rest to use the same language we've been using before. Yes. Okay. And then you talked about how you had this, like this high priest mm -hmm. and then he would appoint the next high priest, like maybe when he was close to death or something like that, or did they retire out or? Yes. The high priest's order yeah. in the Bible yep. was all based on genealogy. You had to be from the line of Levi, uh -huh. and you served, and any member of the tribe of Levi could be a priest, but only certain people were the high priest. Yeah. And when that high priest was near his death, a new high priest would be appointed from the tribe of Levi. Okay. That's how it worked. And so there was, there was a qualification that you had to have mm -hmm. to have this role, and it was based on your lineage. That's right. Okay. Uh... Why is that important? Like, why have a lineage-based priesthood? That is just what God established in the Old Testament. Uh -huh. And he's assuming that knowledge of his audience. Like, okay, you guys know what a priest is. You know that they're from the tribe of Levi. You know that uh, they serve and that they're succeeded and that they are appointed. Now, yep. I want to prove to you that Jesus is a better high priest than mm -hmm. the ones you've experienced under Levi. He too, like all priests beforehand, was appointed by God. God said, you are my son. That's an, that's an appointing, and son can mean king, it can mean priest, it can mean like a divine title. Okay. And he's quoting uh, from Psalm 110 there. And then the very next verse in Psalm 110, he says, And I have appointed you as a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Hmm. And so the idea is, he's like, I, all priests are appointed. Levites were appointed. Jesus was appointed. Yep. They were appointed by the order of Levi, or into the order of Levi. But Jesus was sworn into the order of a little lesser known priesthood called the Order of Melchizedek. Okay. And he was sworn in, appointed forever. Which yes. that seems to be something you couldn't normally do with a priest. He, yes, because most certainly they would, not. They would die and he they is couldn't be priests anymore. Going to pick up on that 
extensively okay. uh, throughout the rest of chapters 7, 8, and 9. Okay. <laughs> so having a priest forever is a category in itself. But then you have these competing priestly lines. Yep. You have the line of Levi that Israel's priests have always come from. Mm-hmm. But then you have this other lesser known, as you said, order of Melchizedek. So I think it might be helpful to know where both of these came from. Yeah, in yeah, the Old yeah. Testament. So and, what's really funny about this yeah. is that he says all that, and he also goes on to say that how Jesus offered prayers like the priesthoods beforehand, and how Jesus suffered like previous priests. He's making all these comparisons between priests that the Hebrew audience would know. Okay, so he's like, Jesus is like a priest, see? Right, but he's just from a different order of Melchizedek. Okay. And what's really funny is that he kind of pauses the argument in okay. verse 11, chapter yeah. 6, verse 11, and he says, or 5, verse 11, and he says, you know, I've actually wanted to talk to you for this about this for a long time, but I'm going to pause for a second because you've been too immature to handle this for a long time now. I've been and, wanting to do this deep dive with you, and then but you he, guys are shallow. Yeah, that's exactly what he does. Okay. And he says it's about a, an entire chapter challenging them to remain faithful to the basics of the faith. And as I said in the last episode, we're going to take all these challenge and warning passages together in a third episode. So just for know for now that he's like, I want to talk to you about this for now, but we've got some business to do about some more basic situations. Uh-huh. He does that for a whole chapter. I see. And then jumps back into the Melchizedek thing in okay. chapter seven. So there was a moment in the last episode where we stopped and said, here's a warning passage. We're going to skip over it now to stay focused on what was Moses. Now the same thing's happening. He's talking That's about right. Melchizedek, stops yeah. that warning passage, and then, and then continues. We're going to talk about both of those in yes. the next episode. And it might be helpful just to have in your mind that the way that he's structuring his argument, he kind of has, like, he's talking about how Jesus is better than angels. And there's a warning passage included in that idea. He's talking about how Jesus is better than Moses, and he includes a warning passage. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, because he's better than Moses, I'm challenging you to trust him. Because yeah. he's better than angels, I'm challenging you to trust him. Jesus is better than Levi. He's from the order of Melchizedek. So I'm challenging you to trust him. He's doing that every single time yeah. he introduces them to a new way in which Jesus is better. I see. And that keeps the thread of the book tight, which is I've written this to you mm-hmm. to challenge you. That's to right. Persevere to remain faithful. That's right. Okay, cool. And so basically he's like, okay, I've wanted to talk to you about this for a long time. And I know you don't know anything about it because you're too basic. So let me start at the beginning. <laughs> and then he literally goes back and explains the story of Melchizedek from the book of Genesis for the benefit of his audience and we all said praise god yeah because uh we need it to <sighs> yeah okay. so in the bible in the bible i know that book back in the day abraham mm-hmm. his uh what lot was lot. that his nephew. His nephew his nephew that's what i was, I was yeah. like i think it's his nephew yeah, it's his nephew was captured by a coalition of enemy kings yes so abraham goes on a rescue mission to rescue his ne- nephew lot and he is profoundly successful yeah rescues his brother or his nephew sorry all the booty he gets all and he just collects a ton of plunder yeah and he is celebrating with his men and feasting yep and while he's feasting a man shows up named melchizedek and we're told he's a fellow king and a priest of god most high now what do we know about priests in the hebrew bible hebrew bible reader Uh, I, I don't know. I know a lot about it because I'm uh, a Hebrew reader. You're, you know that the only people that are priests in the Hebrew Bible are, are Levites. Levites. Yeah. Right. Well, you just, totally knew who's that. Who's this Melchizedek guy? Who's this Melchizedek right guy? Priest? I, I'm a Hebrew reader. And what's interesting about this story, Hebrew reader, is that Moses, uh, sorry, Moses, Abraham <laughs> yeah. gives this man, Melchizedek, this priest, 10% of his plunder. Mm, good tither. He's a good tither. And what and the reason that's significant is in the Old Testament, the yeah. only people who were um, entitled to 10% of something... Were priests. Were priests. Yes. So Abraham is treating this, this man yeah. the way God's people have treated the priesthood uh, for its entire nation. But Abraham is around before Israel's a nation. Right. So this is like the father of Israel... Mm-hmm. giving the first priestly offering to a different order of priests than Israel would typically That's use. That's right. That's right. And okay. then he brings up this interesting detail about Melchizedek. Uh-huh. We, he says he doesn't have a father or a mother. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's like he, usually when you meet somebody, it's like so-and-so, the f- son of blank... And he lived until this time and died at this age. That's right. In the Bible, when new characters are introduced, you get a genealogy of some sort. But when Melchizedek shows up on the scene, he's given no genealogy. He's given no father or mother. And we're not even told that he dies. And the author of Hebrews picks up on this. Mm -hmm. And he says, so doesn't that imply that 
it does not resemble the priesthood of Jesus who lives forever. Right. Narratively, literarily, in the book of Genesis, when this priest shows up, he has no genealogy and no death date. He's this priestly figure that presumably is uh, considered a priest rightly by Abraham, mm -hmm. but he's eternal in some sense, like narratively eternal. There's no genealogy. He lives forever. Mm -hmm. He disappears and appears in the story at whim. Yes. Right? Yes. He's like, and so your Hebrew reader's like, yeah, okay. What am I saying yes to? You feel that? Like, oh, yeah, yeah like, totally. Like, what corner are you painting me into now? Yeah. <laughs> um, so you have this king of peace who is treated as a priest of God before the priest of Israel was formally established. That's right. And the patriarch, the Hebrew of all Hebrews, mm -hmm. recognizes him as such. Yep. And gives his priestly offering to him. Yes. And significantly, this priest yes. lives forever right. in right, air right, quotes. Right. In so, air quotes, yeah. So this priest came first. He was he, he was given an offering by Abraham, the patriarch. Mm -hmm. He is not only a priest, but a king. Mm -hmm. And it seems like he lives forever. Whereas yes. the Levites came later. Yep. Were never given offerings by Abraham. Yep. Uh, died all the time and had to be replaced. Yep. And something else, I don't know. You are laying out the argument okay. where you All are right. going down the road okay. that he wants you to go down. Okay. Yes. I mean, I'm a Hebrew reader. Yeah. I'm skeptical. Of I'm you. skeptical of what you're saying over here. And so he continues speaking to this Hebrew reader. He's okay. like, we all know that you only give tenths like that yeah. to priests, priests or to your betters. Like you don't give a tenth of something to your just, lessers right to just anyone <laughs> right. right and so it kind of admits the fact that abraham saw this king because mm. abraham was a king too yes but he saw him as a superior king right and so he's giving him willingly 10 wow. percent of his pl plunder so yeah. he considers as a, a greater priest and a greater king than he was right uh -huh. yes so shouldn't we accord him the same honor that our forefather abraham gave to this priest slash king shouldn't yes. we afford him this greater honor and superiority right right yes like, yes yes, yes. Okay. Uh, i get it how are you but what are you gonna do with this loaded gun well what i'm gonna do with this loaded gun uh -huh. is what i should also say is not only our forefather abraham yes consider this priest and king superior himself you could also say that in a sense levi the, the, the progenitor of our entire priesthood oh, right. considered him a superior priest because, because he came from Abraham. Because he came from Abraham. And the, the text is very explicit. He yeah. was still in the loins of his ancestor. <laughs> so Levi was still a potential son living inside of Abraham. And by virtue of his father's uh, yep. kingship, headship, however you want to say that, Levi admitted to the superiority of a different priestly order than the one that would be the norm for yeah. all Hebrew people throughout the rest of history. Yep, I so, got it. So that's the argument he's making. <laughs> okay, so he's he's made the point. Yes, that Melchizedek is of a higher order of priest than Levi, and Abraham, and that Abraham recognized it, mm -hmm. and therefore we should too. Yep, and in a sense, Levi recognized it, and therefore we should too. Right. And now he's going to switch tactics and say, okay, now that I've established that Melchizedek is of a higher order, yep. let me show you the insufficiency of the Levitical order and okay. what it was able to do before, for us. Before we do that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a question. Yeah. How is Jesus of Melchizedek when he doesn't come from his genealogy? Aha. We'll get there. Oh, we'll get there? We'll get there. Okay. I mean, in one sense, it's a, I mean, we, to give you the information we already have, yeah, I yeah, said yeah. it a different way. One, he's appointed. Oh, okay. He was sworn into the order. Kind of like of uh, you could be knighted in uh, a knight in the realm of blank right. in England or something. He was sworn into that order by God, according to Psalm 110. I see. Kind of like you would be sworn into the office of... Uh, uh, like a like a judge or something. Yep, that's right. And it's like you weren't there. You weren't the next, the last judge's son. Yes. But you've received their title because you've been appointed to that title. Yes. Okay. I get and, that. And and importantly, you could only be sworn into the tribe of Levi if you were born a Levite. Mm -hmm. So Jesus, not being born a Levite, can't ascend right. to that order of priesthood. Right. So he has to be to ascend of a different order of, of a different or order yes. and so what qualified you to enter into i see the levitical order was being a levi ah and now you're he's being sworn into this new order and the information we've been given so far is it seems to be based on an eternal life yes 
that uh, Jesus didn't have a beginning. G like, and Melchizedek doesn't have a beginning or yes. end. Okay. And so that's all the information we've been given so far. That's helpful. And if I could just, if I was, if it was possible to back up and say this at the beginning, yes. this is helpful because we ended the last episode and, you know, this last section of text was a Sabbath rest remains, mm -hmm. come and enter my eternal rest. Yeah. And you're saying that priests help bring people into the rest of God. Yeah. Well, then if Jesus is the one who is supposed to be better than Moses and is supposed to bring us into rest, that's right. how can he if he's not a priest? That's right. Because he's not from the order of Levi. Yes. I win. Hebrew reader, checkmate author that's of Hebrews. perfect. Yes. I win. And that's you're like, exactly ha ha. Right. But actually, he's, he is a priest and a better one than Levi. That's right. That's helping me. That's super map helpful. That's helpful for me. I'm logic. Like, oh, yes. That's the way it works. Okay. <laughs> okay. Great. All so right. he's established why Melchizedek is of a is a higher priestly higher order, order than yep. the order of Levi. Okay. And now he's going to talk about the way that the Levitical order was never everything God hoped it could be. Okay. So not only like where the priesthood came from, but then how the priesthood functions. Yeah. 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 Okay. So. He said, if perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood. We would have kept it around? We would have kept it around, right? Okay, yep, because so, it would have been perfect and we would have been there. And God would never have placed in his scripture another priestly order. Oh, right. Especially one that Abraham would, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like acknowledge. Acknowledge it. Yeah. So it's like the, fa the mere fact that there are two priestly orders in scripture implies the fact that one might overtake the other. There's always been this tension. There's always been this tension. And, and, and David himself, you know, he says, you're a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. That's right. It's like, he's still thinking about it. Yeah. He's, yeah. So, that's, so there yes. was this tension going on. Like maybe the Levitical line would be superseded at some point by this eternal priesthood that Abraham knelt to. That's right. Melchizedek. That's right. Okay. I've never thought about that as yeah. like this ongoing tension of two priesthoods, rival priesthoods, which one's going to win? Right. And okay, as we've cool. already said, Jesus isn't from the order of Levi. Right. So, so maybe he's of this other one. Right. So maybe he can be part of this other one. And then he gives us basically the answer you were looking for just a second oh, ago. Good. So what qualifies Jesus then to ascend into the order of Melchizedek since he can't ascend by geneal by virtue of his genealogy into the order of Levi? Yes. Verse 15. Of chapter... Uh, of chapter 7. Seven? Uh, seven? Yes. Okay. Um, actually, let's start at verse 16 of chapter okay. 7. He has become a priest, not on the legal requirements concerning bodily descent, yep. but... On the power of an indestructible life. Hmm. Again, what did David say? He requotes it. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So what he's doing with this text is like, what you thought was just descriptive or hopeful is actually the qualification for that priesthood. Hmm. In order to be a priest forever, you need to be a priest forever. In order to be of the eternal priesthood, you need to be eternal. You need to be eternal. You need uh, to exist you forever. You need to have exemplified indestructible life. Yes. What a qualification. Right. I hate to see that on a job application. Right. And Melchizedek qualifies because he has no genealogy in scripture. Right. And so Jesus, though, has risen from the dead. Yep. So doesn't that mean that he would be... He would qualify for that office. Qualify for the office He's of high priest. proven that his life is indestructible. That's right. Therefore, who needs the old version of genealogical reproduction to qualify for a lesser priesthood when That's you've right. proven that you're beyond that right in that you don't die anymore we know that nobody became perfect through the levitical priesthood right we've known we've been waiting for a melchizedekian priest mm. and we maybe wouldn't have said it this way but we we know that it has to be based on the power of an indestructible life. That's what qualifies somebody to be a Melchizedekian priest. Yeah. And Jesus has done it, which means that the possibility of perfection is now open to us. The possibility yes. of being matured into the type of people God wants us to be. Yes. To Entering be able, into that actual rest is actually possible mm -hmm. because Jesus is now qualified to do so. Mm -hmm. Like by, by your own logic, Hebrew reader. Yes. You must admit You've this. trapped me. You've trapped, right? <laughs> Darn you. Um, he goes on to say how this was also sworn, like God oathed this. Mm. He, it, later on in Psalm 110, um, or actually just before this in Psalm 110, Psalm 110 says, the Lord has sworn this and he will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order mm. of Melchizedek. And his only point is here is like, did God ever swear that the, the Levitical priesthood would last forever. Oh yeah, sure. He never did. Wow. It's, and it's like he only ever swore a, an eternal priesthood after one line. That's Melchizedek. 
Hmm. So obviously the Levitical priesthood had to pass away. Had to pass away. Because there can only be one. There can only be one that lasts forever. And God swore that the eternal one would last forever. And it would would be this one. The Levitical one has to pass away. Right. Because he, he, God said the the Melchizedek was the one that's going to last forever. I mean, let's just be honest here. (laughs) The author of Hebrews was dropping bombs. He, I mean, he is speaking to the Hebrew audience on their own terms extremely well. It's just like, uh, this had to be a really hard letter to read as a Hebrew. If I mean, you were, I mean, it's very I mean, hard for me to I read I think as a it would be hard if you didn't already believe in Jesus, the Messiah. Yeah. And if you had, but if you were a normal churchgoer, uh, synagogue goer, synagogue goer who had accepted Jesus, Messiah, but push has come to shove, you're suffering, you're persecuting, faith has become hard. You've been a believer now in the Messiah for five, six, seven years. You've forgotten all these Bible verses. How many people have really reminded you this frequently that Jesus is the fulfillment and the only way in which the Hebrew Bible can be fulfilled? Probably not often. Yeah. Right. Right. It's like we 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 I don't get every sermon I need at the exact right moment in my time. Right. Totally. In my life. So yep. it's like I think that's kind of functional like that too, not just as a polemic against those that refuse to believe, but as an encouragement to those who have forgotten. Yeah, it's true. It's kind of like those times that you and I, and probably a lot of our listeners have had, um, where you hear something that you've never heard before, and it completely redefines yes. everything you thought you knew about that thing in the Bible. Yes. You know, like for me, it was like uh, the tabernacle thing, where yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus tabernacled among us, mm-hmm. and that he was the temple incarnate, and... It's like, God I've is, heard that so many times, but it never hit me. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it didn't disrupt my faith. Right. It encouraged it. Yeah. But it changed all my categories. That's that right. kind of feels like what he's doing here. He's just dropping right. bombs. It's like, oh my gosh. Right. And what's, and I think the reason why we should lean into this, like this challenge, this encouragement, because in all the warnings that we've been skipping mm-hmm. over, there's some really intense things in them that make mm-hmm. it sound like you're never going to get your faith back. And if you're uh, familiar yeah. with the book of Hebrews, you know you'll know that. Yeah. Uh, but what's interesting at the end of all those warnings, he almost con- every time says, but I'm confident of different things for you. <laughs> I know that's not you. I've seen your faith work out this way. So he knows his audience believes in the Messiah. Yeah. They've just forgotten all the reasons they have that it's true. Yeah. And so, so then according with that, then the reason why it's so good to have a higher order and an eternal priesthood rather than a lower order and a temporary priesthood is that you have somebody who is indestructible who can bring you into god's rest better than any priest ever could yeah his eternal rest that he's been experiencing since day seven of creation yeah 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 okay cool yes and then he moves on to kind of a new phase of this argument so like i've established that the Melchizedekian order is superior. Yep. I've exposed some of the weaknesses of the Levitical order. I've shown you how Jesus is qualified to take, be sworn into the order of Melchizedek. And I want to also show you that Jesus guarantees a better covenant mm. or a better agreement between God and humanity. Or another way to say it, how Jesus guarantees entrance into that final eternal rest that Moses was never able to bring his people into. Okay. Yeah. And he says this in verse 23. There were actually lots of priests beforehand, right? Be- why? Because they all died. High priest died. Oh, right. New high priest took his place. High yeah. priest died. New high priest took his place. Right. There are a whole bunch of the others. But Jesus, because his priesthood is based on the power of an indestructible life, is a priesthood permanently. Mm-hmm. And he continues forever. Meaning that he is always in a position to bring you into the rest of God. And that is never interrupted Uh, by his own death. I see. Because in a sense, the covenant that the Levitical priests intermediated Mm -hmm. was always under threat of their own death. Yeah. That what if the high priest died Mm -hmm. and could no longer intermediate for me? Or what if he was a terrible high priest, which definitely happened yeah. throughout the Old Testament mm-hmm. and was just bad at intermediating for me. But now we have a better high priest from a better order who lives forever. Therefore, I always have an intermediary. Right. There, there at various times throughout the Old Covenant could be a lag time between our sin and the experience of God's forgiveness. Oh, there sure. Could, there could be lag between the death of the high priest, the appointing of another one. And what happens to all the sacrifices that are supposed to be made during that time? Yeah. What happens to Israel, God's people's ability to enter into the rest of God? 
it's up in the air. Mm-hmm. But if we have a priest that never dies, right. who lives forever, yep. that up in the airness no longer obtains. Right. It's something concrete. It's something secure. And then he goes on to say this. So that means, consequently, verse 25, Jesus is able to save us to the uttermost or completely or perfectly because he always lives to make intercession or to pray for us. Ah, there it is. And so what I love about this is that not only would there be an up in the airness, Mm -hmm. but the job of the high priest was to sympathize with his people and to continually pray to God on behalf of his people, right? And that's the way that he defines a priest back in chapter five. He would make intercession for his people. And every time a high priest died, prayers for God's people stopped for a period of time until a new high priest could take his place. Yeah, and they were human. Like they were, and they were, I'm just like trying to think about like how they were of a lower order Mm -hmm. too, where I just, if my sense of rest was hung up on how effectively a priest was praying for me, I think I would right. not feel rest very often. Right. Yes. So he, yes, yeah. that's exactly Whereas, right. like now that I know that it's the eternal, indestructible, always interceding Jesus who is doing that work, mm-hmm. that brings me a lot of lot different rest. That's right. I feel like I would have had. And what's, and he goes on to say this, he says, one thing that human high priests had to do, Le- Levitical high priests yeah. had to do, is they also had to make sacrifices for their own sin. Right. They weren't so, perfect. So at some point, they had to stop offering sacrifice on for your behalf. you to do it for themselves. To do it for themselves. Yeah. So the Levitical priesthood was always like interrupted, like your ability to enter God's rest and be forgiven by God and yep. to have access to him was constantly interrupted by both death and sin. Mm. Right? Right. The death of the high priests and their own sin. But because Jesus is yes. perfect, yes. sinless, spotless, stainless, and lives forever, yeah. there is never any lag time between your sin and God's forgiveness. Yeah. There's no interruption in God's ability to pray for you and bring God's rest near mm. to you when you're suffering. Yeah. And I think the intercession of Jesus is a not, not, it's just not talked about very regularly. No, I have this really like strong category of like the forensic thing that Jesus did in the cross. Right. At one time as a high priest, he offered himself as a sacrifice. He did, he took away all my sins at that time, done and dusted. Like right. that's in the past. Yep. And then that is applied forward to every sin I have committed or will commit. Right. And in a sense, that's true. And yeah, totally true. He's not, he's not, nothing is denying that, but there is this relational quality to a high priest where Jesus is now, um, applying in his intercession, what his cross accomplished. Yeah. So the cross accomplished our salvation and then Jesus always lives to make intercession, to apply what he accomplished Mm -hmm. in the past. So he applies in the present through his intercession, what he accomplished in the past through his crucifixion. He's able to save completely. Yeah. Like that's like that, that term, like completeness means that Jesus is always praying for us, actively engaging with us, reminding us and God of what was accomplished on the cross and making sure that we live in God's rest and in his kingdom permanently uninterrupted by either our sin, his sin or death. Yeah. Which is always happening. Which is really important because I think that, uh, again, I don't want to make it sound like I'm trying to debunk this it is finished moment on the cross. That is no, obviously no. crucial to everything we believe. That's but just not what Hebrews is talking about right yeah, now. Hebrews is emphasizing something different. And I think we should hold it well yeah. in that when I sin, the, the only ammunition I had against my guilt, condemnation, shame, and then the only like fuel I had for persevering, trying again was oh, Jesus died for it. It is done. I can hold on that you know, to the fact that when he died for that sin, mm-hmm. he paid for this thing that I did. Yeah. But, and that's good mm-hmm. that it's right. finished. The work is done. Yeah. But there's this other side of that equation where Jesus is living right mm-hmm. now at the right hand of God, actively interceding for this specific thing. And going back to the first couple of chapters of Hebrews, he knows what it was like to be tempted right. by this thing, to, to like, be a frail human and he's able to sympathize with like with me and intercede for me to God in a way that no priest ever could. Yeah. And he's applying what he accomplished to me in the moment Mm -hmm. in real time. Yeah. And he's forgiving me 
right now. Right. Again. Yeah. And that just feels fresh to me in a really Yeah, cool the way. idea that Jesus is always praying for me. Yeah. Always speaking truth over me, speaking to God on my behalf right now, every time I mess up in the moment, is great news I don't think about often. Yes. That there's this ongoing job that Jesus has. Yeah as a high priest mm -hmm. to ensure that I enter into a restful relationship with the divine sovereign of the yeah, universe. Because, and if we don't stop to think about this, I think we do rob the power of the Melchizedekian priest, you know, yeah, 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 of its yeah. power. Because if you think about it, some Israelites might've only had one time a year where they made a sacrifice or had a sacrifice made for them. You know, it might've yeah. been the day of atonement or something. And they look back at it and like, oh, yeah, well, I hope that paid for it. Or I'll look forward to the next right. day of atonement. And they didn't have that real time sense of right. intercession that we have. And so it's like we almost are robbing well, ourselves of this new and better covenant when we don't. And what's interesting, actually, I think you're right to start talking about the sacrifice. because That's exactly where he goes oh, okay, next. Yes. But what's interesting here is he's front loaded this conversation about the ongoing ministry of the priests. Priests pray for their people. That's what chapter five says. And we're saying Jesus prays for his people. Right. And that's good news that Jesus prays for his people is constantly before God on their behalf, inviting them back into that rest. Mm -hmm. Right. And we have a high priest who's willing to do that for yeah. us. Now, the next argument is, now what else do the high priests do? They make sacrifices. They make sacrifices. Yeah. And so I think it's interesting because we keep talking about, so what's the difference between like Jesus accomplished something in the past mm -hmm. and he's doing something right now in heaven and yeah. the author's pulling that same thing out in just the reverse order. Right. He focuses first on, let's talk about that ongoing relational reality of the mm -hmm. priest. You knew there was a priest praying for you. You knew he could sympathize with you. He was a man like you were, right? Yeah. And he knew who you were. You were part of his community. He was praying for you on your behalf. And once a year, he would offer sacrifice. But right now, we're just talking about that relational thing. Yeah. And you had you had security there. But what happened? He would die. Right. And he had to be replaced. Air. He had to offer sacrifice for his own sins. Right. He would be. He wouldn't always. Wasn't always praying for you. Yeah. Jesus is not like that. Right. We have a high priest who's better. Mm, yeah. Eternally doing that for you. That's good. So that's how he's a better interceder and prayer. That's right. And then he's now he's going to move on to how he offers a better or different sacrifice. That's exactly right. Okay, so let's jump in then to these new sacrifices and the old sacrifices and why the old sacrifices aren't as good as the new sacrifice. And, uh, you know, we're just doing this thing again where Jesus is better than this old thing. And I'm just, yeah. you just got to tee it off here. So he's Jesus is a better interceder, prayer, yes. and from a better order of yes. priests. But now he's also offering better sacrifices or something. Yeah, I think at this point, it's probably a good idea to step back okay. and talk about what the temple was and what a priest role was in the temple. Okay. Period. Because that's where sacrifices took place. That's where sacrifices took place. And if you don't have some of that background knowledge, this is going to feel start feeling pretty fuzzy okay. to us. All right, we'll, we'll step back. Um, and we also have to talk about covenants because covenants oh are also involved okay. in, in all this stuff. Here we go. Big step back. Whenever God came to Moses on Mount Sinai and gave him that set of laws written by angels, mm -hmm. in it was a set of instructions for a tabernacle. Yes. Right? This yep. is where God's presence would live and it's where priests would work and give God's people the ability to enter into that rest in a in a in a uh, lessened way that God, Jesus would ultimately do it himself, right? Yeah, the caterpillar versus the butterfly. The caterpillar versus the butterfly. Um, and the temple itself was a model of the universe. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, and this is, this is, sounds so crazy, but it's really, really important. The temple was set up the same way that God created the world. You have the world on which humans live, which mm -hmm. is like the outer court of the temple. It's where people funneled in to come and visit God's presence, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Uh, then you had this special space uh, that had these candles and these lampstands and these different things in it where only people from the tribe of Levi could be. Mm -hmm. They were decorated in these bright gold elements and jewels. And this is, they lived in this space between God's people and between the burning center of God's holiness. Mm -hmm. And in the creation story, you had earth where people lived, and then you had the stars in the sky, the heavens. And this heavenly realm is replicated in this second court yep. in, 
in the temple. And the reason I mentioned lampstands is because there's lights in the sky. Yep. There are seven lamps in the temple of the tabernacle because there are seven lights in the sky visible to the human eye that are significant. The earth, the moon, and five of our planets. Mm. So there's seven lampstands to model the universe. Right. The priests are covered in gold and jewels because they're like the stars yes, in the sky. shine like the stars. The whole space is decorated in blue and purple and scarlet to represent sunrises and sunsets yes. and the inky black of space. Yep. The only Levites could live in this world. Yep. And then beyond that was the Holy of Holies where God's presence lived. Yep. And only one of those people could go in there at one time and make atonement for all God's people. Yes. Right? Yep. And it was covered in cloud. Mm -hmm. So even the person there couldn't, couldn't see what, couldn't was, going see what was going on. Yeah. Because after the earth and beyond the heavens. There was what? We don't what? know. I remember watching as a kid Star Trek Voyager. Oh, yeah. Did you watch Star Trek Voyager? Oh, yeah. I loved it. And there was one episode where they hit like warp 11. Like the technology <laughs> doesn't allow them to do that. And they do it as an experiment and they end up past the edge of the universe. Oh. And do you know what it looks like? No, I don't remember this. Clouds. Oh. A giant nebula. What's beyond what's known? They don't know. We don't know. Yeah. And so the temple was meant to mirror that. Yes. Right. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Because you have... Okay. So let me recap. Yes. So you have the creation of the world. You have earth where people live. You have yep. the heavens where the stars live. Mm -hmm. And you have the heaven of the heavens where God lives. Yes. To replicate that or mirror that you were given the tabernacle. Mm -hmm. And you had the outer court to represent the earth where people live, yep. the inner court to represent the heavens where the Levites could go, and then the holy of holies, which yes. is the heaven of heavens where God lives. That's right. Yep. And it's important to realize this is in some ways a broken model of the universe. Mm -hmm. Because in the Garden of Eden, there was an earth, there were the heavens, and there was God. Yes. But it was permeable. Yeah, God, you could pass from one through the other. Is that yeah, what God yeah. could come to earth yes. and walk with his people. Right. The rest of God was available on creation because yes. the barriers between God, the heavens, and the earth yep. were passable yes. by God. Yes. Right? The, there was this overlap, yeah. permeable space between heaven and earth and they, that, that was separated out through the fall. Yes. And that separation is, is replicated in this broken model. Yes. Of the temple. Right. And now instead of all people or God being able to just come straight out into the earth, into yep. all of Israel, there's a system of priests, stars yep. that block access for a period of time. And right. then there's another curtain, the veil that blocks God. That only one man can go yep. through that blocks God from the rest yep. of people. And that, and that too is a picture of the fallen creation. That's right. Because you had the, the world east of Eden where the rest of the world lived. You had the land right outside of Eden where oh, Adam, yes. Eve, and his his mm -hmm. sons lived for a little while afterwards. And then you had the garden entrance, which was guarded by cherubim with flaming swords. Yes. Uh, and that's the Holy of Holies. That's, the Holy, that's where God's presence was. Yeah, and that's why in the Holy of Holies where God's throne was, you had a picture of a cherubim. Yes. Because it was this picture of so the gateway to Eden. Let me, after, with all that information, yeah. let me say it a different way. The universe is a temple. Yes. Earth is where humans live. Yep. The heavens is this barrier between us and the presence and the, the noble greatness of God. Right. right. Yep. The universe is a temple. Yes. And Israel was given a version of that universe in their temple with barriers in it to show them that things were not as they ought to be. Yep. But there was a way through blood yes. to make the world permeable once again. Yes. And God's eternal rest could leak out into God's God's land. Yep. Right? Yes. It made the temple made a way for God to live with man again. Right. Yes. Okay. That is all the background <laughs> I wanted to set up before we move forward because Great. that's really important to understand yeah. that the the universe is a temple mm -hmm. and the temple is a model of the universe. Yep. Okay. Good. Great. Yes. I hope that that is worth was worth the squeeze here in a second here. <laughs> we'll find out. If not, you now know more about the temple than you, you did. You now know more about the temple than you did before. So we have a high priest in Jesus. Yep. And this high priest, uh, like all other high priests, offers sacrifices. But if Jesus was going to offer a sacrifice, where would he offer it, David? Good Hebrew reader? I mean, he'd have to go to the temple. Wrong, David. Why? Because the Levitical order prescribed sacrifices in the temple. Uh -huh. An eternal priest has never been prescribed sacrifices anywhere. 
Oh, right. In fact, if he's eternal, the only place he could offer a sacrifice is probably in the eternal universe. The temple. the universal temple. The universal temple. That yeah. is creation itself. Right. Right. But how, yeah. But how do you how do you go to that temple? Yeah. How do you go to that temple? I, Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen a Levitical priest pull that one uh, off. Right. Um, I don't know where the, the what'd you call it, the warp speed 11 clouds yeah, yeah, yeah. are. Warp 11. How to get there. The edge uh, of the universe. No, you're exactly right. They wouldn't do that because where would they serve? They would serve in the copy. Uh, Levitical priests serve in the copy of this. Right. The, the earthly temple is a copy of the universal temple. That's right. And the Levitical priests serve in that copy. That's right. But the order of Melchizedek would need to serve in the actual mm -hmm. universal real temple where God actually dwells in That's the heaven right. of heavens. And if that first temple uh -huh. didn't make anybody perfect, if yeah. this first version, uh, this first mock-up of what the universe was meant to be never allowed God's people to fully enter that rest. Yeah, right. What do you think might be possible if the Melchizedekian priest mm -hmm. can go through the universal cosmic temple yeah. and do what the smaller copied temple was always meant to do. Maybe can actually solve the sin separation problem once That's and for all. That's right. And then he quotes from Jeremiah 31, okay. which promises a new covenant uh -huh. where the law of God will be written on God's people's hearts mm -hmm. and they would always follow God and God's sins would, uh, their sins would always be pardoned. Yeah. So he's like, we, we have a Hebrew Bible reader. We, yeah. we have in Jeremiah this amazing promise. Right. I remember that. I remember reading that promise. You remember reading that promise yeah. where our sins would be pardoned forever. Right. And that God's laws will be written on our hearts so we would intuitively understand and desire to do what God tells us to do rather than constantly breaking it and unbelieving. You remember that covenant promise, right? Yeah, but it's just, I just feel like it was never going to happen with these Levitical priests. But the Levitical priests <laughs> could never do it, right? And why? Because it was a copy. Right of something eternal. And now we know that we have a, a high priest who's been qualified by virtue of his eternal life. Do you think that might mean that the new covenant promises of Jeremiah 31 are finally on the line? I, I sure think so. <laughs> <laughs> you backed me into a corner you yet me again. In, I did it again. You did it again. And so what Hebrew Bible reader when a Levitical priest wanted to make a sacrifice on behalf of God's people in the broken temple, what would he do? He would walk through that middle space. He would walk through the heavens, right? Mm -hmm. the, the heavenly realm. Yep. And he would offer sacrifices there. And if he was the high priest, he would walk past that into and the, Holy, into of the of Holy, into the, into the Holy of Holies. Yeah. And basically he says, you know all about that. I'm not going to tell you any more about it. I won't speak about that in detail. Okay. <laughs> Chapter yeah. nine, verse uh, five. Okay. And he says, okay. And then the priest would offer their sacrifices and Hebrew Bible reader. You and I have already admitted that the Holy Spirit has revealed that this was in inadequate, right? That that the that that the Levitical priesthood and the temple copy was inadequate. Yeah, we agree with that, right? I mean, yeah, you've kind of twisted my arm. I agree and, with you. And now. the reason why we believe that is why because the universe is supposed to be a permeable temple where right. God can always live with His people. Yeah. But if there's permanent barriers that can only be transcended through geneal genealogical lineage, and even yeah. that genealogy is reduced down to one, does that look anything like Eden? No, one person once a year does, representing me. I, right. I, I want to go there. Does that? Yeah, that, that doesn't look like the eternal cosmic temple God set up in Eden. No, this is not the eternal rest God promised. This can't be right. It. But yeah. when Jesus appeared as our high priest, he went through the more perfect tent. He mm. went through the cosmic temple. Yes. Right. <laughs> I am so surprised he's just assuming this amount of knowledge it's crazy. of his Hebrew audience. Yeah. He went through this greater cosmic temple. And, and you're saying, when you say that, you're saying like in his ascension or something, he went yeah. through the heavens into the heavens of heavens to now stand at the actual right hand of God in the murky cloud land. Yes, that's okay. exactly right. He was on earth like all of us. Yep. He died on earth like all of us, but then he passed through the heavens, yep. through the place that no human can really go right. through, right? Yep. Uh, I was thinking about how all sci-fi and like all the science He's fiction. Always trying to do that. Trying to get into the realms of space and even like our human technology. Like, is that like our desire to connect with God? Yeah. Like, manifesting in technology. Anyway, that's yeah. a side note. Anyway, that's pretty cool. He passed through the sphere that nobody could go to and he went into the divine presence of God and offered his sacrifice there. there. 
not in the copy. That's right. Okay. So what does that mean then? The, since the sacrifice went to the real place, it was more effective or mm-hmm. it was better? Or like, yes. What, he says what it does. It actually purifies our consciences. Mm. It purifies our consciences and that this makes Jesus the guaranteer of the new covenant of mm. the one that was promised, uh, prophesied by Jeremiah who said God's law would be written on our hearts. And so what he's saying is because Jesus does this, because he goes into the eternal temple, he can make real mm. the new covenant promises of Jeremiah. He can change our consciences. The old covenant, what was it good for? It could remind us that we lived in an imperfect, broken temple. Yeah. It could remind us that we were at a distance from God and that like sacrifice could make it right. Mm-hmm. And it could purify us outwardly. Yeah. It could make things right for a period of time. Right. Right. It could like. Yeah. It, it could make it to where, I mean, cause the, the point of the, of the earthly temple was that it could purify the people in the land to let them stay in the land mm-hmm. next to the temple. Right. But that's just the copy. Oh, cool. I'm now allowed to live next to the copy. That's right. But I still don't feel like I have the right to enter into the heaven of heavens next to God. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It could take away the consequences of an individual sin, Uh but it could never actually change your conscience that desires to do those sins. Right. right? It never did that because that was Israel's chronic problem. Yes. That they always desired to do the wrong thing and disobey God. Yep. It was outward. That's right. So when Jesus goes into this eternal temple, Mm -hmm. the cosmic temple, and sacrifices himself there, he does exactly what we would hope to have happened in this copy temple. Mm. We were hoping in the copy temple that there would be a sacrifice that could not just change our sin, like assuage the consequences of our sins, but mm-hmm. transform our hearts. Right. And that would re-allow God and humanity to live together once more. Yeah. And now that Jesus has done in the heavenly temple, we can be guaranteed that's what's happening right now in heaven. I see. There's two things I think might be helpful to point out. One is, I don't think we've said explicitly, is that based on the measure of sin that happened yeah. in Israel, the high priest would take the blood of the animal deeper into the temple. Ah, yes. So like if, if it was a really high sin or especially a sin committed by the priestly order, they would take the blood all the way into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle it on the mercy seat. And that's what Jesus did. Yeah. He took his blood yes into the highest holy of holies and sprinkled it there yeah to atone for the highest possible sin that could ever possibly be committed that's right uh, which is really cool and then the other the other thing that I, i've heard people talk about is it's not only the atonement that is represented whenever the blood is taken into the presence of god in the holy of holies but it's actually me being taken into God's presence by the priest, by the priest mm-hmm. through the blood of the animal okay. that the closest I could get to God is if I knew that it's this death mm-hmm. and the, the blood of the yeah, animal yeah. is I can kind of picture in my mind that I'm drawing near God through the blood of this animal. Yeah. But with Jesus, he goes to the actual right hand of God mm-hmm. and, and has promised now to take us with him. Yeah, that's yeah, not some yes, yes, yes psychology right. that's happening. That we actually will mm-hmm. join him at the right hand of God. Yes. That he is the better high priest because he will bring us with him yes. to God's right hand. Yeah, which is just amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then he kind of has one final turn of his argument at the beginning of chapter ten, okay. where he says another reason why we know that. what the Levitical order was trying to do was not as good as what Jesus is doing is that the Levitical order had to make the sacrifices repeatedly. Yeah. There was daily sacrifices, weekly sacrifices and yearly sacrifices. And these would always remind us of our sins. It would keep us conscious of our sin. Right. That's what they, that was their purpose. Yeah. The, the temple had no chairs in it. Oh yeah. 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 Because the priests had to stand the whole time they were in there to show that the work was unending. Right. What should that have taught us that, the blood of bulls and goats right. was never enough to take away sins. Right. If it was, then it would have stopped at it some point. It would have point. stopped it. We, <laughs> yeah. We've always been waiting for something greater than a blood sacrifice. Right. More permanent. Yeah. And that's what Jesus does on the cross. He offers a sacrifice once mm-hmm. 
uh, for all people. And that is what allows us to enter God's rest. Yes. And then he kind of has this final checkmate moment with his Hebrew audience by quoting uh, from Psalm 40 with them. And King David says this, God, sacrifices and offerings you don't desire, but a body you have prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sin offerings you've taken no pleasure. And then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. Mm-hmm. As has written me in the scroll of the book. What, what the author's doing is like, didn't King David say this? Didn't King David admit that sacrifice and offering can't take away the effect or consequences of sin? Yeah. And didn't he admit in this psalm that the solution to the inadequacy of sacrifice was a body that would be prepared for God mm. and there would be a willing son of David, King David, who would come to do God's will wow. that would actually do the thing that the bring the new covenant. Didn't David say that Hebrew reader? I guess he did. I never read right. it that way though. Right. I didn't read it that way either, <laughs> but apparently that's what, that's what he did. Yeah. And so he's yet again, proving that Jesus is everything these Hebrew Bible readers want. Yeah. Is found in Jesus. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And I also love this, uh, this idea here that I, I kind of alluded to a second ago, verse 11 of chapter 10, you know, priests stand yes. daily, you know, there's no chair in, in the temple. Uh, yeah, yeah. but then when Jesus ascended to the right hand of God, after making a sacrifice for sin, verse 12, he sat down, he sat down, he sat down. Why? There's no more sacrifice to be made. He's yeah. made the one sacrifice that needed to be made. The body that God prepared yeah. That David prophesied has been given. Yeah. And now our final priest doesn't have to stand anymore. Yeah. He can sit down because the work is done. Yeah. Yeah. Which to me is just really good news because it's, I, I always think there's surely some bit of penance or bloodshed or something yeah. that needs to be spilt or done. Right. To atone for my yeah. sins. And when that turns inward, it's like, I got to beat myself up. I right. got to punish myself. Yep. I got to go and walk about and like, you know, atone for my sins and the, Australian outback. I've got to like do something <laughs> yeah. to to pay for my sense of guilt. Yep. But when I feel that, I can look into the heaven of heavens mm. and see Christ seated at the right hand of God, knowing yeah. that the work is done, and I can look at him and know that my intercessor has yeah. told me that there's no sacrifice left. He's interceding for me perfectly and to just come and enter his rest. Right. So, to go back to the beginning of this episode, mm-hmm. We, we said that the author of Hebrews is saying that there's an eternal rest that you can enter and that because Jesus is a better priest and a better sacrifice, you can enter that rest. Mm-hmm. So how would you word that now to us today to say, there's a rest for you and here's how to enter it through your priest Jesus. Mm-hmm. How would you communicate that to us today? I mean, I love the way that the author of Hebrews says it. He says, so knowing all this, mm. Let us draw near with a true heart in full confidence. Our consciences have been sprinkled clean and our bodies have been washed by the pure water of Jesus. Hmm. So let us hold fast this confession of our hope and not waver. Hmm. Like that's like, this is maybe I'm not answering your question, but like, no. this is like, this is the thing he's been getting, getting to like, if all of this is true, if all of our history as a, the people of God stretching all the way back to Abel, has been leading up to this moment. Mm-hmm. We've have everything we've been hoping for. Yeah. So let's not waver. Let's be confident that Jesus is who he said he was, that our faith has reached its oh. butterfly moment. Yeah. And let's persevere. Yeah, it's interesting the answer to how do I enter into rest? The answer is confidently. Yeah. Yeah. And it's That's like right. that is interesting because you do always need some measure of confidence in order to rest. Mm-hmm. Right? Like even going back to last episode where we talked about what was rest. It's a kingdom where there's peace on every side. There's no enemies. And so whenever there's no enemies and there's nothing to be worried about, what can you do? You can rest. You can rest. You can put down your weapons and you can go dance in a field. You know, that you don't have any yeah. worry. And why can I now enter into the rest, the eternal rest of God? It's because I know that there's nothing left to assail me, even myself, even my own sin, mm-hmm. that there, I do have peace on every side yeah. because I have the great high priest, Jesus, who has finished the work, interceded for me and is seating now at the right yeah. hand of God. There's nothing left for me to do other than be confident in what he's done. Right. And because I can be confident, 
in what he has done for me, I am finally able to rest. Yeah. I know can, that I'm not afraid. Yeah. And I can persevere when following Jesus is difficult. Yeah. When my faith gets tested, when people try to persecute me for what I believe to be true. Yeah. I've got a lot of great reasons, an entire history of reasons why Jesus is everything my people have been waiting for forever. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to bow to a Roman sword. Right. I'm going to continue to do good despite the evil being done to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how do you enter into rest? Confidently. Confidently. Wow. All right. That's pretty awesome. Okay. We have one more episode in Hebrews. That's right. Hall of Fame of Faith. The Hall of Fame of Faith. And, and the all the warning, warning passages <laughs> that we have been avoiding up until this point. So is it like, a, is it going to be like a bittersweet episode or? Um, I, no, it's going to be awesome. Okay. I'm very excited because the stiffest warnings in the book of Hebrews um, always just drive us back to the great hope that we've been talking about this entire time. Okay. Um, so, yes. Well, I'm excited about that too. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us here in Hebrews and here on the Spoken Gospel Podcast, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals, and podcasts like this one. Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next time.